listener. Hi, welcome back to Broadsheet Sydney Around Town. I'm Emma Joyce, Broadsheet's Features Editor, and I host this brief guide to Sydney. Today, we're talking to three curators of a curious new exhibition. It's an exhibition of objects from samurai warrior suits to ceramic peacocks. And there are costumes designed by Catherine Martin for Strictly Ballroom, as well as one worn by Kylie Minogue in the year 2000. Before we dive into the new exhibition, broadsheet contributor Callum McDermott is in the studio to tell us about an unexpected but very exciting second store from Sydney's most famous convenience store. I think it goes without saying that a convenience store should be convenient, so it's probably one that's located near to you. I think there is an exception in Sydney, which is maybe the most famous convenience store in the country. Redfern Convenience Store is somewhere that has a a crazy number of followers across Instagram, TikTok, anywhere really. And the reason that it's so famous is it's stocked. Every single shelf is stocked with something, a little treat from somewhere around the world. And whether you're from Egypt or Canada or in the UK, you can find something in store that sparks a bit of joy. It reminds you of home. Now, in news we didn't expect, Redfern Convenience Store is opening a second location, but it's keeping its name. Is that right, Carl? Yes, it is. So Uh, you'll now be able to find Redfern Convenience Store where? In Newtown. Okay. Redfern Convenience Store in Newtown. And that's not going to get confusing at all, is it? I'm sure it won't. (laughs) Now, owner Hazem Cedar has said that the reason that he wants to keep the name is because it's such uh, an important part of his branding. Now, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, can you give us a kind of idea of the brand that he's created and what Redfern Convenience Store is really well known for? Hazem Seda took over Redfern Convenience Store um, in around 2006 from his father, Aliata, who arrived in Australia around 2000 and founded the shop in 2001. And from about 2001 to 2006, it was a very conventional convenience store. If you needed milk and you lived around the corner... It was was convenient. It was convenient. Hazem, a few years into running the shop, decided to give it a social media presence. And at the time, everyone told him, why are you getting a social media account on Instagram, on Facebook for your convenience store? Those things never get follows. And he decided that he'd commit to the bit and aggressively try to make his convenience store a thing. And he obviously paired that with, as you mentioned, a really, really great range of products. But by just diligently saying and repeating and reiterating that Redfern Convenience Store was the greatest convenience store on earth, somewhere along the way, it probably actually became the greatest convenience store on earth. And now... It's a tagline that's really hard to argue against. Yeah. And, you know, when I was writing this story, it was very confusing because sometimes he refers to it as the greatest convenience store on earth. Other times he refers to it as the greatest Redfern convenience store on earth. And yeah, I think at this point, it's it's pretty safe to say that, yeah, both of those claims are completely true. And he even has an in-store radio. Just like you get at a big chain supermarket... Redfern Convenience Store has its own radio station um, (laughs) with its own programming and its own ads that advertise Redfern Convenience Store's own products. If you're noticing a theme emerge, 
uh, the term Redfern convenience store gets repeated a lot. And so I think <laughs> going back to what we were saying, um, when it came time to open a new location and it's the first new shop in the history of, of him running Redfern convenience store, um, he dispensed with tradition, did not call it Newtown convenience store and just decided to open another Redfern convenience store. Now this place is going to be next to Bella Bruta opposite, um, Marley Hotel. It will be a real. It will be kind of like a spacious convenience store, a little bit like Redfern's is. Will there be any kind of key differences? Will there be any items stocked there that you can't get at the other location? As far as I can discern, um, there are going to be no differences whatsoever. Um, King Street is a little bit more of a destination than Redfern Street, so that comes along with higher rents and all that sort of thing. So the biggest difference is that maybe things might cost a little bit more, but he's assured me that he's going to do everything within his power to make sure that there's parity of prices between the two locations. Now, in your story for Broadsheet, you mentioned that there's a personal connection to this particular location. Redfern Convenience Store Newtown was always a convenience store. And when... Hazem's father arrived in Australia from Palestine in 2000. One of the first jobs he got was working at this convenience store in Newtown. Um, And for many years afterwards, even after Hazem's father had founded Redfern Convenience Store, he always used the Newtown store as the benchmark of what a convenience store should look like. So in many ways, the original Redfern Convenience Store was modelled off what that Newtown convenience store looked like. And so the opportunity to lease it all those years later, I think was pretty irresistible. Um, and um, Hazem's father is certainly pretty happy about the whole outcome. Do we know which one he'll spend most time at? <laughs> he says he wants to split his time equally between the two um, unless he has figured out a way to clone himself. He I, loves both children equally, basically. Yeah, he refused to to really name a favourite. Um, and yeah, I think there's every chance that this new new location for Redfern Convenience Store is going to become just as iconic as the original, especially given the location. So when is it opening? I think the safest guarantee is by the end of August. Maybe, maybe, maybe early September, but very, very soon. Well, I look forward to visiting as soon as it does open. It's open at 137 King Street in Newtown sometime at the end of August, early September. Thanks, Cal. Thank you. Over at the Powerhouse in Ultimo, there's a curious new exhibition of items, including Kylie Minogue's showgirl outfit from the closing ceremony of the Olympic Games in Sydney, to pieces of history, such as an electric car manufactured in 1917. The exhibition is called A Thousand and One Remarkable Objects, and three of its curatorium have come to the studio to tell us about the objects they've found most fascinating. Ronan Solik. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Mark Sutcliffe. Hello. And Eva Chernis-Rill. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you all for joining us. Now, you are three people part of this exhibition, but actually there are so many people involved. Can you give me 
an idea of how many people have come together to create this particular exhibition? We're the pointy end, aren't we? Um, yes. When you see the exhibition, you'll get the impression of um, how many people could be involved because there are obviously a thousand and one objects. But the installation and the design of the exhibition is quite remarkable itself. And you can imagine how many people it's taken to put it all together and assemble the show as it will be seen on the weekend. So this pointy end, the three of you have come in to tell us a little bit about some of the objects in this exhibition. Could you give me a kind of starting point? Where did this exhibition idea begin? It really began with Leo Schofield, our chair. He wanted to have a fresh look at the Applied Arts and Applied Sciences collection. Our collection is about half a million objects. We had a curatorial brief from uh, Leo that requires, required us to focus on, on the, this part of the collection. And we also discussed, I remember that very vividly, the ideas of the legendary um, French designer Jean-Hubert Martin. He also uh, focused on the language of visual connections between disparate objects across from uh, objects from across um, Cultures uh, culture and, and times, time yeah. and place. Mm. So we went to uh, the Castle Hill Discovery Center, which is part of the Powerhouse Museum as such. And we just went through the collection. Yeah, it was but like being a child in a lolly shop, really. Completely, completely. <laughs> you know, choose what you like. And we sort of worked on that basis originally, like pick out all the crazy things you think would look great in a show. And then we all got, got together and fought about which ones should be in and which shouldn't be in and so on. So there were many weeks of little pictures stuck up on pin boards, um, thousands of them, like well over 2,000 I think we had at one point, didn't we? Correct, correct. Uh, and we also wanted to be democratic. That is, I've been working with the museum for some three decades and of course I've got my favourite things. I know what are the icons but also the ones that we've even I haven't seen, seen before. Yeah. So there are costumes, there's jewellery. Uh, I think I read there's a ceramic peacock. We can go into that later. Mm. Oh, yes. There's musical instruments, items that you would say are part of engineering history, aviation history, something for everyone. <laughs> okay, maybe this is a good time to learn a little bit about your speciality. Should we start with Ronan? Well, my background is in the auction world. I worked for Christie's for 25 years and in museums as well before that. So I brought a sort of understanding and love of things, really. I'm, I love objects. I like um, decorative arts. It was probably my beginning point in the, my art, art journey and then contemporary art later on. Evie, you've said you've been at the Powerhouse for a very long I've time. I've worked, yes, at the museum for a very long time. So I'm an art historian and curator of decorative arts and design. I think they'll end up putting you in a case in the museum. <laughs> You've been there so long. Gilded case. You can be 1002, exactly. object 1002. Mark? My background is very much in the performing arts. So I have a background that includes marketing. I'm currently a producer for the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. So my lens, when we were asked to delve into the collection and have a look at the items, mine was very much through a cultural lens. I was looking for things that represented moments in time, um, that celebrate culture, that celebrate special events within Sydney, mm -hmm. um, which is how we sort of veered our way to Kylie Minogue's, you know, costume from the Absolutely. ceremony. And also the Strictly Ballroom costumes. Mm -hmm. If you could pick 
just one item to talk about to give us an idea of what is in the collection, what would it be and why? I've I've chosen um, a, a sort of a piece that is probably remembered by an older generation of the old museum, and it's a huge slice of a tree. It's a piece of a cedar that was cut down in the 1920s, I think, when mm-hmm. cedars were almost completely extinct on, in Australia. They'd been completely logged out in the 19th century because it represents the sort of material that, um, you know, made 19th century culture, the culture of the invading, you know, British at the time, provided them with their houses, their furniture and so on. But they've used this slice of tree as a timeline. And then, so they've marked out how the rings represented various years in history. And I think it's kind of, you know, nowadays outrageous to not only destroy a tree, but only to talk about history in terms of colonial invasion. And we've got it sitting next to a very beautiful and quite rare colonial long case clock by convict maker James Oatley, um, which is made partially of cedar and other things. So there's a whole corridor of long case clocks. It's a bit like a fantasy of a clockmaker around one part of the exhibition. So it sort of sits there making a comment for better or worse, I think. And I think it's fascinating. My object, so throughout the process, we had this running joke that my favourite object was the Kali Minogue costume from the Olympic Games because I, at the time, was working for the organising committee for the Games on the cultural festival. But on weekends, I was also rehearsing to be a, a volunteer performer in both the opening and the closing ceremony, and I am a former ballroom dancer. So the Strictly Ballroom, I, I danced to Lovers in the Air, sung by John Paul Young in the closing ceremony of the Olympics. And so the Kylie costume was the first one that I picked. But since we've been going through this process, and even this week when we first got to see the installation yesterday, there is a giant Cupid doll. It was designed by Brian Thompson. It's six metres tall. Her name is Scarlet, and it's one of 12 Cupid dolls that featured in the closing ceremony of the Games in the Strictly Boreham, Love is in the Air moment. And she, you know, she sort of is very prominent when you arrive into the space. Very and, prominent. And, you, and she's kind of overlooking the exhibition. And it's become one of, it's just the thing that you see first. And I think that makes it special. And it's also big and brightly coloured and represent that moment in time where you know, it was the start of the new century, Sydney was celebrating, it's had its biggest event probably in its history, the world was watching and all eyes were on Australia and that big moment of celebration and here we are with 500 Boreham dancing couples dancing to lovers in the air with giant cupid dolls. So that has become sort of a bit of a focus point for me this week. I really love this personal connection that you have to these objects, which I think is an important thing to mention is that it can sound as though this is going to be a room full of very disparate items, but actually everything will have a personal connection to someone, mm, as much. you mentioned. Exactly. Is there an object in this exhibition that kind of represents Australia right now? We've agreed that one of the pieces that uh, maybe we could talk about is the a ceramic work uh, titled Yumari by Kunamara Jangala Karol. This was made in 2017 in remote Pukacha. This is an indigenous uh, community in South Australia. Mr. Carroll uh, was a Luricha Pintupi 
Pichinjara artists working from Annabella Arts, uh, that is Australia's oldest continuously running uh, indigenous arts centre on the APA land, lands. So it is a large vessel, very large. It has a striking, strikingly powerful appearance. Imagine this is this big white vessel that looks like a stone. Mm. You know, like the boulder that you can find at the beach, mm, mm. and but just massive, massive, big, beautifully polished. But it's painted with a large and elongated dark blue cross that stretches across one side of the vessel from top to bottom. So it is entirely unique and so minimalist and so contemporary, yet its design is pointing to tens of thousands of years you know, in terms of First Nations traditions. So in particular, the work reflects the artist's deep knowledge of his father's custodian country. Uh, it's a Skintoro, Wulunguru, um, in Northern Territory. It speaks to now, but at the same time, it also speaks to forever. Were there any that you were sad not to be included? Oh, I think many went. Oh, many. many. Yeah, many. <laughs> no, there were quite a few. But it was great. It's great to see the show installed now and to see things, to see things. We were looking, we we're working from a lot of photographs. So mm-hmm. we saw a certain percentage of the objects, but it's lovely to see them in the flesh. And, they, they and they're presented across 25 different rooms. It's Is like that... a labyrinth. It's quite remarkable. You just get lost in these amazingly decorated rooms. Um, get lost in time. I'm pretty you do, sure you will. You <laughs> and, and we're very close to it and I'm still blown away by it. But so, I'm, so I'm hoping the public will really enjoy it. Well, 1001 Remarkable Objects opens on the 26th of August and runs till the rest of the year. Is it free to check out? It yes, is free. free. It is free. Yes, absolutely. That's what we like to hear. Well, thanks so much for telling us about the object that sparked the most joy for you mm-hmm. in various different ways. Um, and thank you for coming in to tell us about it. Pleasure. Thank you so, so much. much. And that's all we have time for today. As always, you can keep up to date with what's happening around Sydney at broadsheet.com.au and at broadsheet underscore Sid on Instagram. listener production.